Good evening. Now normally when I talk to somebody and they don't respond, I assume they're either sleeping or they didn't hear me. So good evening. Thank you. It is good to be here with you. And we have a, a special service tonight. Not very often that we gather on a Friday night for church, but I'm excited to uh, share from Scripture with you tonight. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father in heaven, we come before you. Lord, we're grateful for uh, this time that we can have together as believers. Lord, thank you for sending your son to this earth. Lord, thank you for the promise that that gives to us. And Lord, I pray that as we uh, look at Scripture tonight, that we could be encouraged and that we could be, our hearts could be lifted and that we would go from here rejoicing, Lord, in the work that was done on Calvary. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You know, some time ago, actually just last fall, uh, there was somebody in, in my family, extended family, that passed away. It was an uncle. And my uncle was never married, but he enjoyed people. And so he had a lot of, of uh, people, friends that he had traveled with for years. And uh, he was the one that, when we had the gospel sing here in, in Goshen, he would come from Iowa to, to be at that gospel sing. And I'm not sure, was, it, was he there to hear the singing or to be with the people? He enjoyed interacting with people. And, and I would often find him at the gospel sing. He had found somebody and he was talking to them about life. My uncle died of cancer last, I think it was in December. My uncle also had... Sad to say, but over the last probably 10 years, had really struggled with relationships and had a kind of a broken trail of relationships, actually, um, that had followed him um, the last part of his life. And those relationships included probably three different churches. And it seems like it seemed like as he went from one church to another, often... He ended up leaving because of um, broken relationships. And so as we went to this funeral, I was, I was kind of wondering, well, what, what message do you preach? Uh, he wasn't the church that put the funeral, that took care of the funeral. Actually, wasn't, he wasn't a member there. And so I was wondering, what, how does this work? And as we gathered together as family, um, we, we, for the viewing and and as cousins sitting around and talking, many of my cousins had worked for this man, and, and there were still some, some pretty tense feelings, um, even though I think there had been forgiveness, and, and it seemed like most of our family had kind of worked through it. There were, some, there were still some sore spots. And as that minister got up and preached that message that morning, he, he, he preached truth, he, he preached hope. And at the end, as he finished up, he was very kind, but yet he acknowledged the broken relationships that this man had in his life. And, and we often do that at a funeral. I, I didn't see people angry there. I didn't, I didn't see people um, just getting into it about what they had experienced with this man. But kind words were given, and people kind of said what they, things that they appreciate about his life. You know, there are two things in our lives that are kind of um, special times. 
And the, the first one is when we're born. It's always an exciting time when there's a new baby born. And then the second one is often a big one. There are often many things in between there, but death. And death is so real. And it's so final. But you know, often as a person ends his life, there is a softness that is kind of experienced. Even like I referred to my uncle, even though there were some hard feelings, it seems like when somebody dies, suddenly we begin to think of, try to think of the positive things that we remember of that person, and, and we, we try to think on those things. Unless we're not in a good place, personally. I, I want to give some room for that. There are times, I think, that people uh, really experience bitterness when there's a death. But for most times, as we come together to, to observe and to remember a person's life, we tend to focus on the positive things. And I think that's good. You know, there's kind of an unspoken truth that when somebody dies, you don't bring up negative things about that person, right? Often people are willing to overlook the faults that they saw in the person. You know, the death that we're observing this weekend is so drastically different than what I described. Because many people had feelings that were coming up. It seemed like all of a sudden all this anger and this bitterness and these false accusations and these lying, these, these, these lies, I should say. Yeah, not just half-truths, but lies and strong feelings came rising up at that death and before it. And so I asked tonight, why is this death that we're celebrating, why, why should it mean something special to us? Why should it be a monumental thing? Why do we come together on a Friday night to observe this death when there's so much conflict around it? When we see so many people angry and so many people um, upset? What is it? Or why should it be monumental? Number one is we are sinners. We are sinners. Even though we were created, and if you remember in the Garden of Eden, as God created man and woman, he said in Genesis 1, chapter chapter 1, verse 27, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And so as man was created, they, were a, a, they had some similarities to God, I believe. There were some, some, some characteristics that God has that were, that were given to man. And so we were made in his image. And then if you remember the story of Adam and Eve and, and Eve being tempted and, and falling in the Garden of Eden and then bringing the fruit to Adam and Adam partook and so now they both sinned in this perfect garden in this uh, perfect, uh, not just a perfect home, but uh, life was, was so perfect. And now sin enters this perfect world. And it says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, and this is right after this, this is God um, 
basically giving a curse to man and to the earth. It says, Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened to the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and also thistles shall it bring forth to thee. And thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. Till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken. For dust thou art. And unto dust thou shalt return. And so because of these, the choice that Adam and Eve made, sin enters the picture. And it changes the relationship. It changes what the world is. And so not only did Adam and Eve sin, but that, that is now passed on to us. And so we get that, we, we are given that gift at birth, whether we like it or not. We are given that, that sin nature when we're born. In Romans chapter 3, Verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of the God, glory of God. There's not one person that's born in this world that isn't born with that sin nature. But we all have that sin nature. We are all born with it. No matter who you are, no matter where you're, what family you're born into, we have that sin nature. And with that comes guilt. And I don't know if... if uh, Hopefully you don't experience guilt, but I remember, especially as a young uh, person, uh, I had quite a few things in my life that I really should have taken care of. And just living with that guilt, there's a heaviness that it brings to our, to our hearts. There's a, it's, it makes it hard to sleep. It makes it hard to concentrate on work. And it just takes the joy out of life. But because of the sin, there's guilt that we experience in contrast to who we are as fallen creatures, God is holy. God is perfect. And God as a holy God is perfect in goodness and righteousness. He's made no mistake. He doesn't experience that guilt. He doesn't experience that falling, that, those sins that we, that we uh, struggle with. But God is perfect in goodness and righteousness. And because God is so holy, and because he can't sin, because sin is not a part of him, and we, on the other hand, are sinful people, there's a separation because God can't be with sin. And so when there's sin in our lives, when there's, there's sin dwelling in us, it creates a divide. And in Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2, it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. You see, it's the iniquities in our hearts. It's, it's the sin in our lives that brings a separation. It's not that God doesn't want to help us. It's not that God doesn't want to hear us. But see, our sin divides from that relationship. It divides us from a relationship with God. God is a holy God. He cannot tolerate sin. In fact, in Romans 
chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, it says, For the wrath of God is, re- is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. God cannot stand sin. And not only does it separate us, God's wrath is going to rain out on sinful people. Furthermore, not only is God a holy God, but God is also a just God. There's something inside of us, and I think it's because we are created in God's image, that we like to see justice. We like to see wrongs made right. And when somebody is suffering, we say, well, the person that is making that person suffer, they should feel a little bit of that. You see, I think it's, it's, it's God's nature that has been given to us, that nature of justice that we experience in a small way as people. But God is a, a God of justice. He will mete out um, on sin what it deserves. God is just. You know, when I, when I, when I listen to the news and, and we hear about this uh, Russia invading Ukraine, you know, there's parts of us that just say, that is not fair. These innocent people are suffering. And we see how the, you know, the, the Russians come in and these people are being killed. Their land is being destroyed. Their houses are being destroyed. And, and there's something inside of me that, and, and probably you too, that just wants to rise up. We want to save them. Not only do we want to save them, we think... Even though as Christians, we don't wish ill, right? There's, there's, there's part of my humanness that says that is not right. Somebody needs to pay for that. And it's because it's that justice that's coming out in us, saying something, someone has been wronged, someone should pay. But you see, even though we're not the Russians, we are sinners, And there is sin in our life. We were born as sinners. And Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. And so here I am, a person with a sinful nature, and the wages of sin is death. You see, as a person, I should... If God is a God of justice and sin, the payment for sin is death, the cross really is what I deserve as a sinner because God's a God of justice and I have sinned. And Romans says the wages of sin is death. And so I should expect that, right? I should expect death when, I'm a, when I sin. In Exodus chapter 21, it, it, the Old Testament law speaks about an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And, and it talks about a hand for a hand and a foot. And if, if your ox is out and if your neighbor loses an ox and you're responsible for it, it, it all has to do with if this happens and you're responsible for it, the same thing is going to happen to you, right? And so because, because something that I'm responsible for, if I hurt a person in a certain way, 
I'm going to suffer in the same way. It's a, it's a hand for a hand. It's eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. It's, it's justice being lived out in the Old Testament. But you see, that hasn't changed in the New Testament. Actually, when somebody is hurt, when sin is committed, somebody has to pay for that. Somebody has to pay for it. What can I do to redeem my lost, sinful self? As a person born with a sin nature, committing sin in my life, what can I do to save myself? What can I do? What is available? Well, I have good news tonight. Christ has died for us. And I'm sure that's not news to you, but it's exciting. And this death that Christ died on the cross wasn't a peaceful death. It wasn't a quiet, uh, respectful death. People didn't just decide they're going to say good things now as he was going to the cross. But as we read the scriptures tonight that have to do with Christ's death, it was quite opposite. It was quite traumatic as he went to the cross. This evening I'm going to read different scriptures that have to do with Christ's crucifixion. As I look through the Gospels, there are just different uh, interesting parts in this story that one Gospel records and the other one doesn't. And so I'm not going to take uh, the scripture from just one book, but I'm going to jump around a little bit. In fact, in some of these I probably won't even read the reference. So I hope you can um, piece those together. The first one I want to read is in Matthew. And it says, Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? And so Jesus had come in to to be um, tried, and they had held held this fake trial. It wasn't wasn't an honest trial. And now they're ending that. And so Pilate says, What shall I do with him? And then it says, And they all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail, that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head, and he reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him. And they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit upon him, and took the reed, and smote him on the head. And after that, they, and after that they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him, and put his own raiment on him, and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of, Cy- of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of the skull, 
They gave him vinegar to drink, mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. A terrible way to go to death. Typically, as a family, we'll sit around our loved ones as they're in their last days and we sing songs and we share memories and we maybe laugh some because we have good memories, hopefully. And it's, it's, it can often be a time of, of, of bonding for the family because as we're sharing together and, and we're nearing the end of, of this loved one's life, it has a way of drawing us together. But not so in Jesus' and last days. A lot of ridiculing, a lot of, of punishment, undeserved punishment given to him. Injustices, lies, beatings. So undeserving as he was led to Golgotha. Tonight, I was wondering if, if all the children, maybe ages 12 and under, if you would want to come up front and sit on the front two benches up here. I have part of this story I'd like to share with you. So all you children, if you're, if you're 12 and under, if you want to come up here and sit on these benches. Okay, maybe some of you have to sit in the back, in the second row there. Can you sit in the second seat? You want to go back there? Okay, do you children know why we're here tonight? What's today called? Good Friday. And why do we call it Good Friday? What's special about today? Do you know what happened today? That's why you're at church, right? To hear That's right. You're right. Jesus died on the cross. And so I was reading some out of the Bible about what happened to Jesus right before he died on the cross, okay? And I'm going to read a scripture that talks about that. And it says in Matthew, and they crucified him and parted his garments. Do you know what crucified means? What does crucified mean? When you kill someone, right? But in a and they, they crucified him in a specific way. Do you know how they killed him? Go ahead. They put him on a cross, right? It says, And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. Now, how do you kill somebody on a cross like that? Do you know? They put thorns on his head and nails in his hand. Now, I have some nails here tonight. And these are some big guys. You want to pass it down the road there and you can look at it. You want to feel those? These weren't used, okay? So these are brand new nails. But you want to pass that down and look at them? Now, look at how long those are. Do you think that would feel good going through your hand? Not really, right? But that's what they did. They laid that wooden cross down, that cross, it looked, looked kind of like that, and they laid it down on the ground. I'm assuming they probably nailed it through his hand, took these nails and nailed through his hands. That would be really painful, right? 
And what do you think the people around him, what, what do you think they did? You're right. Some people were really sad, right? Because Jesus was their friend. Yeah. And some people thought it was really funny because they were glad that Jesus was dying. That's so sad. It's sad when anybody dies, but it's especially sad because here Jesus was here on earth serving people. He was doing miracles, but yet he got, he got killed on the cross, right? He died on the cross. So tonight I have a, a, a big block of wood, and I don't know was the cross that size or not, but this is a big block of wood. And so I'm going to need some help. We're going to pound one of these nails in here. You want to come up and help me? Yeah, we're going to pound it in there, and I just want you to hear a little bit what it might have sounded when Jesus was crucified. Okay, can you run the hammer? Are you construction? Do you work construction? Not yet? Okay. Now, am I going to hold it, or are you going to hold it? Why don't we do it together, okay? Why don't you work on it there? There you go. There you go got it started good job okay does somebody else want to help a little bit you want to come up and help that's kind of a big hammer right hold it hold it up here a little bit more there you go can you hold your arms up here there you go good job now do you think that would feel good to have your hand And they probably went through each hand and probably through his feet to hold his feet. That would be really painful. Now, what do you think Jesus did? When somebody hurts you, if somebody hurts you on purpose, not an accident, okay? They come up and hit you. Now, I know what we should do, but what do you feel like doing? You feel like forgiving them. Well, that's not... That's what we should do. But we don't always feel like doing that, do we? What if somebody pinches you? What do you feel like doing? You feel like pinching back, right? Yeah. We know we shouldn't. But see, when somebody hurts us, inside we, mm, we get angry, right? And then sometimes we catch ourselves and we remember, oh, we shouldn't get angry, and then we, we say, okay, I need to forgive them, right? And so we, we do the right thing, right? But it, there's a little bit of inside of us that wants to, do, wants, to pay them, wants to pay them back for what they're doing to us. Let's see what they said. As, as they were nailing Jesus on the cross, okay, and they were pounding those nails in, what do you think he was saying? It says, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And so as they were nailing Jesus on the cross, he said, oh, God, forgive them. Father, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. He's kind of like saying, I forgive you. Can you believe that? Wouldn't that hurt? As he was being crucified, and then he decides, he chooses to do that. Okay, you can go back to your parents again. Thank you for coming up.
And sitting down, they watched him there and set up over his head his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. And they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. Come down from the cross. And one of the malefactors, which was hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. It's an awful way to die. There's no way around it. And then to have people standing there and making fun and laughing and having a good time and gambling your garments away. I can't imagine being in that place. I don't think I could have done it. I know I couldn't have. And not only that, but I talked a little bit about the guilt that we experience, that we have as sin. And Jesus, as he was on that cross, taking that guilt that I felt, that guilt that you felt, and bearing all of that guilt, bearing all of that shame for those things that we've done, bearing all of that, that heaviness for the things that I've committed, for the things that you've committed, and feeling the intense weight and darkness of that sin. But yet he did that for you and for me. He did that for each one of us. He died on the cross to give us hope, to give us the ability to change, to give us another opportunity to change. He gave us a gift. And sometimes I wonder, why is it so hard to accept the gift? Why is it so hard to accept that gift that God gives us? Have you ever given somebody something, maybe unexpected, outside of birthday or whatever it may be, and you gave it to them, and they said, oh, you wouldn't have to do that. And here, let me pay you for it. How much did it cost? Or, oh, don't, don't give that to me. I don't, and they kind of give it back. And, it, and have you ever been frustrated with that a little bit when you're trying to give something out of the goodness of your heart and somebody just can't accept it? And, and you wish they could just say, well, thank you. That was so kind of you. But why is it so hard to accept 
what Christ did on the cross. Why is it so hard for us at times to say, I'll accept that. I'll accept the gift. And because I accept that gift, I will follow you, giving, over, giving myself over to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Why is that so hard to do at times? To accept the gift. Sometimes I think we hate to take that gift because there may be an expectation. You see, if, if you give me a gift, then you may be expecting one back. And so it's, it's hard for me to accept that. But in this situation, Jesus is not expecting more than our heart, more than our, our service to him. He's expecting our life. But I don't have to, to prove anything. I don't, have to, I don't have to suffer for my sins. He already did that. He already took that guilt. He already took that shame and suffering. And now he wants us to accept it and to live underneath that, the victory that he offered to us by dying on the cross. In Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 9, it says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. And so God, Christ died on the cross even before we had made a commitment to him for sure. And so we're not committing to him, but he already died for us back here so that the gift is available to us. For scarcely for a righteous man will, will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. You know, sometimes we're willing to die for someone that we really love. And we'll say, you know, maybe I'll say to my wife, I, I'd be willing to die for you. I'd be willing to to protect you. And, and, and maybe somebody that, a friend that we would, a close friend that we would really, that, we're, that we know well, we would be willing to do that. But you see, Christ did that for us. And at that point, we weren't even born. We weren't even, we weren't even here yet. But yet he committed to die, knowing that we were in need of his Savior knowing that we were in need of someone to bear that shame of our sin and of our guilt. You know, the Old Testament somewhat operated on a layaway plan, and layaways um, anymore aren't uh, very popular, but I remember growing up, going to Kmart, and there was a, often over by the restrooms, there was this, this little window, and and when you found something in the store that you wanted and you didn't have enough money to, buy, to pay for it, you would take it there and they would write your name down in, in an agreement and they would put it in the back and then you would make monthly payments on that as you had the money. And once it was paid for, you could go in and receive it. You see, I think the Old Testament is, was a little bit like that. And so even though... So as they committed sin and as, as they had a need of cleansing, really, and, and, and they needed forgiveness for what they had done, but yet Christ hadn't died. And so as, as, they, as they gave those offerings and, and they made sacrifice to God, it was kind of like a layaway plan. 
And so they didn't get the full benefit, but yet it, it took care of it. It was a payment for that month. It was a payment for that time. But it, it wasn't complete. It, it, it still wasn't theirs. They couldn't get their, their hands totally around the forgiveness. But when Christ died on the cross, he made the final payment. He made the ultimate payment. He made all the payments for that layaway plan. He made all the payments that now forgiveness is available. Peace is available. But we have to go get it. We have to go pick it up. We have to go say, that's what I want. That's what I want in my life. That's what I want to forgive my sins. Such a big gift. Anticipated for so long. And yet sometimes I'm not willing to say, I want that. I want that. The debt has been paid in full. John 3, 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, which we really deserved. We really deserved For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That was his plan when he came to to the earth, was to offer salvation, to die on the cross, to save us. The debt has been paid. I can now confidently come and humbly come to the cross with my weight of sin. Christ wants to forgive. He wants to offer that salvation. He wants it for me. He wants it for you. But I need to come. I need to acknowledge my need of that. I need to acknowledge the debt, the the weight, the guilt that's in my life. I need to acknowledge that and offer it at at the foot of the cross to be covered by his blood. Matthew 11, verses 28 and 30. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Is your yoke easy? Is your burden light? God would like for it to be light. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're so grateful for your finished work on the cross. Lord, thank you for sending your son to die. And Lord, sometimes it's just, it's maybe hard for us to, to give up ourselves and, and what I want and, and who I want to be and to give myself completely to you, to allow you to cleanse my heart, to allow you to cleanse my life and to bring a peace and a joy that only you can. But God, we're reminded again this weekend of what you did on the cross for us. And Lord, we're ever grateful for that. Lord, help us to, um, to share with others what you've given to us. And help us to live a life that is free from sin, that is, that is living in victory. And Lord, thank you so much. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.